0: Walking through our core values, we want to have it clear in our heads uh, who who the Lord has called us to be, the things that the emphases, if you will, that the Lord has put on our hearts as a new church plant. And uh, and so we've been walking through these various ones. And uh, would you stick up? Oh, it's all. Look at that. It's already up there. And so we've been walking through. uh, We've done the first three, those sort of core ones: Christ-centered, gospel-driven, shaped by Scripture. And then this really big one of being transformed into the image of Jesus, that's the goal of the Christian life, if you will. It's one way, the Bible says it in different ways, but that's one that we picked. I quite like that one. It means that the goal of the, of the Christian life is to look more and more like Jesus. Sometimes we use the big theological word, sanctification, becoming holy. Jesus is the picture of what a holy, a perfectly holy human looks like, being transformed. We want to be transformed into the image of Jesus. And then if you will, we've picked out five or six, including the very one all around the outside, five or six specific big ones of what it looks like to be like Jesus in our culture, in our world today, based on the emphasis of, that we've got from the New Testament, what it looks like for us individually and as a church. And so we've looked at this idea of prayer dependent over here. We want to be a prayer dependent church that prayer informs, it powers, it, 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 it it's it, it's integrated into everything else we do. It's the glue, if you will, that makes it all kind of come together. Uh, and then last week we looked at passionate worshipers, and we actually looked at the first half of John chapter 4, thinking about worship and Jesus is through Jesus' encounter with the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. And, uh, and so this this week we're going to look at the second half of John chapter 4, because actually in many ways, worship and mission are integre, 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 somebody want to help me with that? Integre, in, in, integral to each other. There's another it's the adverb, the ad, L. It ends in L,Y, anyway. forget it. They're, they're related in an integral way. John Piper wrote a book, so you know John Piper, he wrote a book called Let the Nations Be Glad, and the first opening sentence in his introduction, or his first introduction chapter one, says mission, or sorry, mission is not the ultimate goal of the, church, of, of the church, worship is, but mission exists because worship does not. In other words, we're on mission to see people come to know Jesus because there's lots of people out there who don't know Him, who don't worship Him. They They worship somebody else. Everybody worships something. Even somebody who says, I don't have any faith, I don't have a religion, they actually do worship, trust, love, something. And so mission exists because worship of Jesus does not. So worship and And worship and mission are intimately related. Change words, different word there. And so this morning we want to look at what it means to be a mission-minded people. Uh, And we're going to read through John chapter 4. If you remember in John chapter 4, Jesus leaves, uh, which area does he leave? He leaves from Galilee when the Pharisees found out that he was baptizing more disciples than John the Baptist was. Jesus knows that they know, and so he leaves. And it says he had to go through Samaria. It doesn't tell us why he had to. I suspect it was the the Holy Spirit directing him there. He knew that that was where the Father wanted him to go. And so he gets to Samaria, and he sits by a well, and his disciples go off to find some food... And as he sits by the well, this Samaritan woman comes out and he begins to engage her. And last week we looked at his, his conversation with her. This week we're going to pick up in verse 27 as his disciples return to the well. And they're surprised. They're, they marvel, it says. So let's start in verse 27 and read. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman... But no one said, What do you seek? Or, Why are you talking to her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. So as Jesus is talking to his disciples, the people are coming out of the town towards them. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Verse 35, Do you not say, There are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the, the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told them all that I ever did, she said. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Let's pray before we go on. Father, thank you that you speak to us today actively through your word by the power of your Spirit. And Lord, I pray as we come that our hearts would be open, our minds would be attuned to you, and that you would indeed speak to us. Lord, we come in expectation this morning. Thank you for what you've already done in our midst through our singing, through our our, our praying, as we've sought you. And Lord, we trust that you will continue to work in us and through us and around us. It's in your name I pray. So, four, four thoughts for, for us this morning. The kinds of people we want to be. We want to be people who cross boundaries. We want to be people who crave spiritual food. We want to be people who seek spiritual harvests. And we want to be people who introduce others to Jesus. So let's pick up in the text to verse 27. And this first idea, we want to be people who cross boundaries jesus is sitting there at the well talking to the woman and his disciples come back and they're surprised they're amazed they're the marvel it says a rabbi talking to a woman that's not usually done and in addition she's a samaritan woman jews don't jews don't talk to samaritans what well, it's interesting it's kind of fast why is jesus doing that they think to themselves it's odd and the reality is, is that they're surprised and Jesus is going to have this whole conversation with them because actually their mindset about what their mission is is not right actually yet. He wants them to, to catch a vision. That's why we have used this idea of mission-minded because it's, it's a perspective. Many of these are perspectives. Jesus wants his disciples to have the right perspective because at some level they've discounted Samaria. They've discounted the Samaritan woman. Their eyes weren't open to she's ready to hear about jesus and so the first thing that jesus does that surprises them that he wants to teach them is that is that mission-minded people cross boundaries what what do i mean by that jesus crosses a number five six depending on how you count boundaries in this passage the first boundary that he crosses is geographic in verse four we're gonna we'll jump outside of the outside of our text this morning and go earlier in the chapter. But in verse 4, Jesus says Jesus had to go through Samaria. Jews didn't go. He went out of his way to go through Samaria. Jews didn't go through Samaria. It was an intentional thing. He crossed a geographic boundary. On Mondays in my life right now, the boundary that I'm crossing is I go into town on a Monday at noon and set up a book table. I don't normally go there. I've intentionally, I say I, we, some of us, we intentionally go into there. We, we go. I don't have any other reason to go there. I'm not, it's not because I'm already going to be there for work, whatever. Some of you work in town. And so Jesus crosses a geographic boundary. He also crosses, you notice in verse 7, he crosses a cultural or a social boundary, if you will. First of all, he's, there's sort of two there. He's talking to a woman who's also a Samaritan. Verse 7 and then verse 27. Rabbis, men generally, didn't talk to women in public. And Jews didn't engage with Samaritans if they could help it. So he crosses a cultural and a social boundary. He speaks to the Samaritan woman. He crosses in verses 7 through 9, he crosses what I call the pride boundary or maybe the independence boundary or it's sort of linked to hospitality as well. But he asks her for help. We're, we live in, a, in, in, in the West, in a, in a, in a country where... I uh, pulled myself up by my own bootstraps, thank you very much. We don't like to ask for help. But actually, asking for help is a way of making yourself vulnerable. That's what hospitality is about when you invite someone in. You can practice hospitality in the street. You can practice hospitality in someone else's house as well, did you know? When you accept their invitation when you welcome them, when you have a welcoming spirit in their home, a welcoming spirit in the street. We try and do that on book table on Mondays. We're there with our smiles. Sometimes we're just smiling and saying, saying, being kind and polite to people. Enjoy the sunshine. Have a lovely day. How are you today? Jesus crosses the pride barrier by asking for help. He comes in Humility. Paul says in 1 Corinthians in chapter 9, it's that wonderful passage where he says that he becomes all things to all people that he might win some. And actually, before that, he actually says, Listen, I surrender my rights so that I might win some. I make myself a servant of all. That's what hospitality, that's what humility is in in evangelism is about as a mission minded people is saying actually we can ask for help and friends when we ask someone else for help whether it's a neighbor i recently had I, I had work going on at my house i've got a big uh, what's it called a big uh, skip in the front of my house and uh, i didn't have enough room for our cars and so i had to i went down the road to my neighbor and said can i park my car it was a little awkward it was a little uncomfortable because i sort of know him but not really well But actually, he said, yeah, sure, I'd I'd love to. And actually, I get to go back and Rensky and I are going, how can we thank them for letting us park the car? So it engages relationship. When you humble yourself and you ask someone for help, it initiates relationship. That's what Jesus does. He asks her for a drink. He breaks the spiritual barrier. You notice that he goes from speaking about physical, literal water. Could you give me a drink? Saying, and she says, well, how, how are you, a Jew, asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? And he says, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So all of a sudden, he goes from the, the, the physical, the material, the literal, to the spiritual. Spiritual can be literal as well. He breaks, he's going to do that later on with the disciples. We'll see that again. But he breaks the spirit. Have you ever felt that, that resistance to oh, the Lord? You're talking with someone and you suddenly realize, oh, I could ask this question, but that all of a sudden takes us into the realm of a spiritual conversation. What are they going to think about it? Are they going to respond? Or I, I don't know. There's a resistance there. It's a spiritual resistance. Jesus breaks the spiritual boundary barrier. And then he, he breaks the personal one as well. That's a hard one. To, that's a hard one to do. Sometimes in the street, uh, when I'm, as I'm talking to someone, and I get a sense of this—what they're talking about, what we're perhaps debating about, what we the thing we're speaking this, this topic is not the real issue. Actually, there's something behind it, something deeply, intensely personal. That actually, that's what Jesus wants to help. He wants to heal. He wants to forgive. And so sometimes you get the sense that there's something behind the presenting issue. And it's on occasion, I'll say, this is a really personal question, but would you tell me why you believe this thing? And the number of times someone said, well, actually I, don't, actually, I stopped believing in God when I lost a parent when I was young. Or I stopped believing in God because this awful thing happened. Oh, that's, and there's risk involved. But the thing, usually the thing that you're talking about up front, the thing that that presents itself, the conversation, the topic, whatever it is, is not the real issue. The real issue is behind that. And that's the thing that Jesus wants to heal. And so with the Samaritan woman, he deals with that. In verse 16, go call your husband and come here. Jesus somehow already knew. We don't always have the benefit of knowing the way that Jesus knew stuff. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered, I have no husband. And again, Jesus knows you're right in saying you have no husband because you've had five husbands and the, one, the man you live with now is not your husband. What you've said is true. He engages intensely, deeply personal one of the ways that we start to engage people on a personal level is to ask good questions. Because we don't like Jesus. We don't always have the benefit of knowing people's hearts, of knowing stuff that sometimes he gives you a sense. He gives you Sometimes he gives you that knowledge. But often, we don't know those things. And so we get to know those things by asking good questions about being curious about the person in front of us. Oh, you're here. You've got a story. Who are you? How has God made you? Even if you don't know him, What's going on in your life? We can can care for someone in the street, a friend, a neighbor, family member, by asking genuine questions, getting to know them. And oftentimes the heart, the personal stuff starts to come out. Ask good questions. And so Jesus crosses barriers and the disciples Marvel at that. Actually, the woman herself marveled. You remember back at the beginning of John chapter 4. She said, how is it that you're talking to me? She was surprised too. Uh, we're going to talk about being countercultural in, in a week or two. But friends, we ought, we ought not to be surprised when other people are surprised that we're crossing boundaries. When you talk to people that someone of your station doesn't talk to, we don't associate with those people. Or you cross other social boundaries. You, you cross, you go, we don't go to that part of town. Why not? Okay, it's dangerous. Yeah, we need to be intelligent and wise. But when we cross boundaries, both people who call themselves Christians who haven't really understood the heart of Jesus and people who don't know Jesus will be surprised. The disciples marveled. The woman was surprised. Those are mar- Sometimes people get angry as well. But they won't understand. Why are you doing that? Why well, go and I go out of my way to get my hair cut, or to go to this supermarket or this little little corner shop to get my my fresh vegetables? I know I could go everything at Sainsbury's, but I'm going to go over here because actually I keep talking to the shop owner, and I'm actually trying to figure out how to tell him that I go to church on Sundays. So I ask him what he did on the weekend. And eventually he returns the question. I says, oh, I went to church on Sunday. Oh, he knows you're a Christian. So we go out of our way intentionally, cross boundaries. Sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes it's geographic. And people won't understand. But that's what Jesus did. And we want to follow him in that. And you'll notice that the woman, in verse 28 and 29, she left her water jar. And went away. The result of Jesus crossing boundaries was that she went away, and she shared her testimony. That's what we call it sometimes. When 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 we share about what Jesus has done in your life, it's your testimony. This is how I've encountered Jesus. Perhaps it was the first time you encountered Him. Perhaps it was something He's done more recently. But we share about, and actually, you notice that the woman, the test, your testimony is one of the most simple ways of allowing you to cross boundaries. By sharing your story. Well, this is how I've experienced Jesus. This is how I've encountered Him. We'll come back to that one later. We want to be people who cross boundaries. What, what boundaries are before you? What boundaries has the Lord called you to cross? Maybe it's a geographic boundary. Maybe you thinking, yeah, actually, I could, I'd get my hair cut on a regular basis, but I could go get my hair cut over here because actually there's folks in there that, that, that I know don't know Jesus. And actually, I feel like I'm supposed to be there. I've noticed recently three or four different Turkish barbers pop up in areas around me. I don't, my haircut's not very complicated. I do it myself. But maybe there's someone in here who's I, I could go get my hair cut in a place and keep going back there and try and start building a relationship with my barber. Gentlemen, ladies, yeah? Maybe you, you think, ah, in, in Lee, you know, Lee Road runs parallel to Penn Road. And, and, and there's a whole lot of, and there's other places. There's Romanian and Polish. There's little little supermarkets on the corners there. And you think, ah, it's a pain in the neck, but I could go get my, go get my, my, my fresh produce there. And try and, you, you learn the, the, the art of standing around. In our culture, we don't know how to do that because we're, we we got to be somewhere. But in a lot of other cultures, Middle Eastern culture, Asian cultures, we know how to stand around and sort of have a bit of a chat before you leave. Maybe there's someone here who's called to do that. What Geographic boundaries, cultural, social boundaries. We've got lots of different people in Wolverhampton. And sometimes it's easier to reach people who look, sound, smell, come from the same place you come, come from but sometimes there's an in to cross a boundary and to reach someone across a cultural or a social boundary as well. Do you need to ask someone for help? We've got everything. We can do everything ourselves these days, but we can put ourselves in positions where we have to ask for help, make ourselves vulnerable to someone who doesn't know Jesus, and it's actually a way of building relationship, getting to know them. You get to hear about them. You get to share yourself which involves sharing Jesus. Can I encourage you to think about where you can cross a boundary? That's one of the reasons why we're going into the center on Easter Saturday, is so that we can learn to cross boundaries together. Yeah? Going into the street when you're not comfortable in the street, it it does a lot of these different ones all at once. It's a good training ground to see well, and the Lord uses it as well. Yeah, and just so you know, we're not. The plan is not to just say, "Hey, here's a thing, go talk to some people." We're gonna. The first part of the morning will be some training. The first part of the morning is gonna be some training. We don't send people out by themselves. We send you if you've never done it before. We send you out with Best. We send you out with Joe because they've done it before. Send you out with Andrew. We do some training. We don't. We don't throw people in the deep end. Sometimes, but not very often. Yeah. So can I encourage you to come out and, and this is where the Lord wants to use us in our personal lives in our friends, colleagues, but also in the street and the two work together. We want to be people who crave spiritual food. This is where it gets interesting. Jesus continues in verse uh, 27. The disciples were urging him saying, rabbi eat. We went and got food for you. Here it is. Come on. Have some food. And Jesus says, I, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. See, he knows that they were marveling, that they didn't understand what was going on. And so again, the same as he did with the Samaritan woman, he, he, he starts with the physical and he moves to the spiritual. They're talking about physical food. And he says, listen, I've got food that you know nothing about. And they're like, wait, did someone else bring him food? Did she give him some food? What, what's going on? And right over their heads. And so Jesus says... My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work, his work. And friends, we, we want to be like Jesus. We need, we need physical food. To, 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 we enjoy physical food. We need it to survive. We need it to grow strong. Children need to eat the right kinds of foods. And actually, at every different age, you need to eat the right kind of food. But we need to be healthy, to survive, to be strong. We enjoy it as well. God gave it as a good gift. But actually, there's another kind of food beyond the material that Jesus says, not, it doesn't trump it, it's not more important, but it at least is equally important for our souls. It's spiritual food. And spiritual food, Jesus says, is to do the will of him, of my Father in heaven, and to accomplish his work. And he comes back to that again. You've got the references in your notes. John chapter 5, John chapter 6, John chapter 14. Jesus, it's an ongoing thing. This is the driving force of his life. I came to accomplish the Father's will and to do his work that he set out for me to do. Friends, we have that same thing. We, we have, sometimes we call it the Great Commission. The Father has communicated what the work is, what his will is for us on this earth through Jesus. Jesus himself is God. Matthew 28, Acts chapter 1. Matthew 28, go and make disciples. Be disciples who make disciples. The command is to make disciples. The assumption is that we're all going somewhere. Some of us are going far. Some of us are going to work. Some of us are going to school. Where are you going? Make disciples. Be a disciple who multiplies. Acts chapter 1. The Holy Spirit will come on you in power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Be witnesses. Tell what you've seen. That's our commission. The rest of the New Testament is about how do we live this out? How do we be like Jesus? How do we help other people be like Jesus? What does it look like to be the church together that's on that mission? That's the commission Jesus gave us. And so our spiritual food, if you, if you want to grow spiritually, you're on mission. That's what Jesus says. We don't want to be like Jesus. Yeah? If you want to grow spiritually, mission is key. It's not the only thing. Don't hear me say it's the only thing. But it is one of those things that we too often leave out, and it's actually quite a central thing. If you want to grow and become more like Jesus, you have to figure out how to be involved in telling other people about him. Introducing other people to him. That's a better way of putting it. Because he's alive, people can know him, and so we want to introduce people to him. That's Jesus' spiritual food. That's our spiritual food as well. He continues... Oh, just a second, actually, before we move on. Verse 28, you notice that the woman, when she's heard about Jesus, she's encountered Jesus, she leaves behind, John includes that note for us, she leaves behind her what? Her water jar. Friends, when, you encounter, when someone encounters Jesus for the first time, the normal, the normal thing is to start to crave spiritual food. She left her water jar behind and she went to tell Jesus everybody should know about Jesus. Come see the one who's told me everything I ever did. The normal Christian life, if you will, is to start to crave spiritual food. Friends, if if you don't crave spiritual food, you need to talk to Jesus about that. Ask him to change your desire. Ask him to give you the desire for the right kinds of things. But the normal the normal christian life the normal way that, that you we grow is by we start to and uh, crave spiritual food as peter says in 1 peter in chapter 2 he says crave long for the pure milk of the word we want to be people who crave spiritual food we want to be people who seek spiritual harvests jesus changes topic in verse, 30, uh, verse 35. But he does the same thing. He's still playing. He's going he's gonna to stop talking about food and he's going to start talking about harvest. Remember, all of the people are coming out of, out, of, out, of, out of the town, out of the village towards them as he's talking. And so he switches and he, st- he looks at the people coming out and he says, he starts talking about the harvest. But same principle, he's talking about a, a literal harvest and then he switches and he talks about a, a spiritual harvest. And look at what he says here. Verse 35, do you not say, he's talking about the literal, the physical harvest. Don't you say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. In other words, we've planted the seed in the ground, and now we've got four months to sit around and do nothing. And then in four months, we'll reap. That's, that's how the literal harvest works. And Jesus says, look, Lift your eyes. Look at the people coming out. Now he's switching. Look at the people coming out from Samaria. I tell you, the harvest is, the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. So Jesus is saying, listen, here's how the physical harvest is different from the spiritual harvest. In the physical harvest, there's a delay between when you plant and when you reap. But in the spiritual harvest, there's not. Planting and reaping are happening all the time simultaneously. Let me illustrate that for you. I met someone in the street this last week. Uh, We'll we'll pray for for her at some point. But she told me her, her testimony, and she's met Jesus through a variety of things. Didn't have a Bible, wanted a Bible. We were able to give her a Bible. She'd been praying for someone to give her a Bible she could understand. But there were a number of stepping stones, different people, different places, different times. And we encountered her we were part of that that journey but it's sowing and reaping happening all simultaneously all different times so that he says sower usually in the in the in the physical harvest the the people who sow they have their party at the beginning of the uh, at when they finished sowing and then the reapers celebrate one after they they've they've reaped the harvest jesus says no sower and reaper in the in the spiritual harvest they, they rejoice together because some sow and some reap and and, and it, it, it kind of happens there's no delay Does that make sense? So here's, here's the application. Don't discount people because you think they're not ready yet because they seem too hard, too difficult, too far from God. Ah, but the Lord needs to do some more work there. They're not ready yet. It, it's possible they might not be, Sometimes we talk to people on the street and it's like, uh, they I talked to a young man this week, uh, best and Anita need to talk to his girlfriend. but I think best talked to him as well. But we talked to a young man, just on the surface, no interest, couldn't get through. Okay, that's right. We're stepping stone. We don't know what's happening on the inside. We're trusting that the Holy Spirit is always at work. That's what Jesus promises in John 14 and, and John 16. He's the one who convicts of sin and righteousness and of judgment. But on the outside, it okay, right? But I don't know, it wasn't our time. But we don't know what's going on the inside. And re- sowing and reaping happen all the time, simultaneously. Trusting that the Holy Spirit's at work. So that's the first thing. Don't don't discount someone because they think too far, not ready. You don't know. The Holy Spirit is always at work in them and in you. Yeah? You might be a stepping stone. You might be the one who sows. You might be... The reaper, something in between. The second thing is this. I've noticed that this is why evangelism is important for the local church. Because those who reap and those who sow rejoice together. Friends, we're all sent. We're all on mission. Wherever you are in the week, that's Matthew Matthew 28. Go wherever you are in the week, you're busy sowing, reaping, reaping having conversations, talking to people, engaging, looking for opportunity to share your faith, praying for boldness because your heart's beating really fast. Yeah, but we come together. We did this this morning, answers to prayer. And we rejoice together. Evangelism is one of those things that brings us together in the right way with the right kind of unity around Jesus and what he's asked us to do, what he's given us to do. Because we can have unity around wrong things. There's some other church groups that are struggling with that. Unity, trying to find unity, but it might not be actual Jesus unity. Mission is what keeps us unified in Jesus. Yeah? Sower and reaper rejoice together, Jesus says. And lastly, we want to be people who introduce others to Jesus. Verse... 39 many samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony i want to go back to this again your story how you have met jesus that first time how you've continued meeting him and getting to know him more the whole thing or bits and pieces of it the the goal of of what you've been given that tool if you will by the lord jesus so that you can help point other people to him that's what a testimony naturally does the testimony that I share often in the street is, is when, I was in, 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 when I was 17 or 18 in high school, secondary school. And uh, I, I went through this period where I was getting persecuted for my faith at school. And I had to decide, is it, is it worth hanging on to this faith, which I got from my parents, they taught me. Is it, worth, is, it, is it worth the cost of hanging on to this faith, of making it my own, or is it not worth it? Because it's not fun getting persecuted for this. And so I did a lot of exploring. I did a lot of thinking about what the Bible says, who Jesus is. I looked at other religions, Hinduism and Islam and Buddhism and atheism. And and I I tried to think through them and go, which one makes sense to me? And the one that makes the most sense, the other ones didn't actually make sense to me. Jesus made sense to me because he was a God who was both powerful and, and high above and in control of everything, but also very personal and understood my pain and my suffering. And in all the other religions of the world, there's no other God who's like that. It's a wonderful poem that says, he's the only God with scars. It's a wonderful picture. And so sometimes I share that in the street because that's one of those testimonies that speaks to when someone's wrestling with trying to think through and evaluate: and go, does, 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 does Christianity make sense? And for me, it did at a deep level. Got other testimonies I tell about emotional stuff and personal stuff. That's what, but I, I share that one on a semi regular basis. It's just one slice, if you will, of my testimony. But it speaks, it points people to Jesus. It says, hey, this is, I've experienced Jesus. He met my intellectual and at some level emotional need to understand, to feel understood by God who's out there. Testimonies lead, point people to Jesus they 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 lead them to examine him for themselves oh this person this person knows Jesus i wonder if i could know Jesus and lastly in verse 42 notice what the folks from samaria come out they come out because of the woman's testimony they encounter Jesus for themselves and here's what they say it's no longer because of what you said samaritan woman that we believe but we have heard for ourselves And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. They came out and they encountered Jesus personally. Friends, what we are, what we long for is not for converts. It's not for people to go, yeah, okay, I admit you're right. Uh, It's not for, for people to come in and have a really big church. What we want is for people to encounter the living, risen Jesus for themselves. Yeah? It's about. Sometimes we say that it's about relationship. That you can actually know for yourself the God of the universe. It's a marvelous truth. There's someone out there who actually hears when you talk to him and he answers. And, oh, guess what? He can do anything. Oh, and he loves you more than you've ever been loved. And he forgives you. And he made you. And he wants you. Friends, that there is such need for people to understand that. Do you have people that you look around and go, oh, I wish you could just understand? I wish that the Holy Spirit would open your eyes so that you could grasp how deep and how tall and how wide is the love of Jesus for you. Because it would change your life. And I can feel the pain, I can feel the blindness you're in, and I long for that to change you. Do you have people around you who look at them and you go and you're praying for them and going, Lord Jesus, when? We want that to be the heart cry of our church as we look around and go, Jesus, our, our community, individuals, they desperately need you. And we've got people in here, we work with all ages, from the the, the elderly to the young. Joe Joe works with young people. Anita, best, they work with young people. Ify is a young person, and she has lots of other young people around her. All ages, all peoples, from all backgrounds and all places, all tribes, best read at the beginning. All tribes, all nations, all languages will be represented one day, and we get to have a part to play in that. And somehow, Jesus already told us that actually it's going to succeed. So we don't have to stress. We have that heart cry of Jesus. When? Please work, move. We long to see you draw people to yourself. But the thing we're preaching for, the thing that we're relating for, is not convert. It's people would encounter Jesus for themselves and that he could work change in them. We want to be people who cross boundaries. We want to be people who crave spiritual food. We want to be people who see, seek spiritual harvests. We want to be people who introduce others to Jesus. That is the heartbeat of our church in one sense. Sometimes I use the phrase, motor is the, mission is the motor of discipleship. As we get on Jesus' focus, we're about trying to live and, and follow Jesus into this mission of seeing the world drawn to himself. Actually, we grow as well. It's not, well, we have to do this stuff over here to grow, and then actually we have the mission over here. No, it's actually, it feeds itself. As we start to f- live in obedience and going, Jesus, you've called me to this. Uh, I don't know how, but we step in faith into it. He starts to go, hey, I promise the Holy Spirit in power. I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you what you need. But friends, my, so often we, we, we sit back and we wait. I do this. And we go, Let's see what happens. And Jesus is saying, hey, step out. Trust me. I've called you to this. I've promised that I'll equip you. Step out of your comfort zone. Step out of your box. So my challenge for you this, this, this morning is very simple. Who's the person in your life that you want to talk to? Who's the person in your life that you know that doesn't know Jesus that you want to talk to. Maybe you don't know how to talk to them yet. You're going, Lord, I, I'm not bold enough. I'm not, I don't have the right words. Jesus promised to give you both of those things. So maybe the challenge is, hey, you need to start talking and trust Him for the right words. Maybe you're, you're not there yet. You're going, I need to start praying for that person every day. And going, Lord, work in their hearts. Give me the opportunity. Make me bold. Maybe you don't, know anyone right now who isn't a believer. And you go, Lord Jesus, I I need to know, show me where I need to go to meet someone. Yeah? That's my challenge. We want to have eyes to see the spiritual harvest. And so friends, if you lack desire, if you lack the drive, can I encourage you, as you seek Jesus, as you get closer to Him, He's going to share His heart with you. And you're going to start to see what He sees. So if you lack desire, if you lack the drive, keep pursuing Jesus and ask Him to change your heart. Ask Him to give you that desire to see people come to know Him, to see lives changed. And can I encourage you, take that step of faith. Whatever the next step is. Maybe you're already praying for someone. Maybe the next step is to start talking. Maybe you haven't started praying. The next step is to start praying for that one person. Maybe the next step is, Hey, Tim, can I come and join you on book table? I can't come on a Monday, but I could do a different day. Uh, yeah, let's, let's figure it out. Come join us on the 8th in the street. You're going, ah, it's not, that's other people's stuff. No, 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 no. <laughs> we're all on mission. We're all called to be witnesses, to talk about how we've encountered Jesus. Let's pray as we close, and then we're going to close in song. Father as I, I preach this and speak and, and just read the story of how you encountered the woman at the well and how you worked with the disciples through their understanding of the event i can't help but think of how Lord since I came to this country three years ago you have you have man you've done you've changed me you've made me long to see people come to know you in a way that i didn 't before you've you, you've, you've, you've challenged me. You've equipped me. Father, You've done that for others in this local church as well. And Lord Jesus, as we come before You this morning and, we, and we, we've heard what You've said, and Father, I pray that You would, as our hearts are open wide, that You would change us, that You would give each one of us a passion to see all of those other people around who, us who You made come to know You people who are far from you or who seem far from you, people who we don't like, people who we do like, people who are different from us, people who have language barriers perhaps because they're hard to understand. Lord, would you equip us, would you give us that desire to speak about you? Would you make us mission-minded? We would see the world through your eyes. It's in your name I, I pray, amen.